Hello, listeners, and welcome to today's episode of Blind Insights. Today, I'm excited. Well, you know, I always get excited, but today I'm even more excited. You would all remember a few months ago that we had Lucas and Pat on, and from talking to Lucas, I got all excited about playing guitar. And one of the final things that made me decide I was actually going to go out and get a guitar and start playing is I realized I needed a structured way to rebuild my guitar hands and my guitar brain after not playing for so long. And you've heard me say enough time, almost to the point of ad nauseum, that I believe in process. Find a way to do something in a structured way and to just keep incrementally practicing in a worthwhile way and then adding a new complicated bit each time the last thing is under control. And I wanted to do the same for guitar. And I was very lucky in the 1990s in that I found the only guitar teacher in Adelaide who had experience of teaching blind people. And I will forever be grateful that at the time I found Peter Miller, but I kind of thought that's 30 years ago. And Peter was a lot older than me then. And I thought, do I want to reach out and bug someone in his seventies and annoy the hell out of him? I thought, probably not. So jumped online. And I think my search was something like blind person wants to learn to play guitar. And the first thing that popped up was Bill Brown's website in the US, you know, musicvi.com, you know, guitar by ear. And I got so excited and I bought the first couple of how to play guitar packages and the first few songs. And I've happily been chugging away now, you know, an hour a day, six days a week. I'm just going through Bill's lessons and learning songs. So today we are very happy to be joined by Bill Brown. Welcome, Bill. Hey, how are y'all doing? You have the best voice. <laughs> no good. I use it a lot. It's such fun listening to the recordings where obviously some you did I'm guessing like early nineties. Oh yeah. You sound like a pretty young, cool cat with a lot of swagger. Yeah. Yeah. The, the voice has gotten lower through the, through the years and I've worked on my accent a little bit. What you, to, to get more of a wonderful sort of Southern gentleman sound or. Uh, probably a little less. <laughs> when I first started doing it, I was, I was probably, probably just spoke like everybody else around here, but then I started hearing it over and over again. And I thought, well, yeah, this is going around the world, so it'd probably be proper if um, you know people learn um, proper English. <laughs> hey, I think it's very proper English. So okay. So, from my perspective, finding your website and realizing there are hundreds of songs was just—it was like you know Christmas in September or October. It was like wow, and then of course I saw that you've got the thing on ear training the course on ear training. I'm like, okay, get your hands back to the point where you can play something first and then dive into the ear training. How many decades worth of lessons and songs is up there on the website now? Well, I've got for the guitar about 700 songs. Wow. So they cover mostly the starting probably with the seventies yeah, because that's the, Era, era I grew up in. And then, of course, there's classical on there, which is way before I was born. Yeah. And some 90s, with the 90s, was mainly alternative, what a lot going on. Yeah. Probably in the most currently, you know, it's going to be probably more of the country because country has kind of taken up the, 
the gauntlet as far as guitar playing, everything else is techno. Yeah. You know, even with um, consider what's considered rock music, it's really not. So, you know, I try to find things that are really guitar centric, but I always keep winding up in the um, 70s. That's where the guitar really, really matured, that in the early 80s. So that's where people keep, you know, requesting songs from for the guitar. Yeah, I wondered sort of whether that was the case of when it was, you know, when you were a young guitarist and the first hundred songs you learnt sort of set a trend. But when I was looking at the country section, I wondered that. I thought, okay, are you a major country guy or is it just that's where all the people playing cool telecasters and pushing them to the limit are today? It, it is mm. probably the most exciting guitar playing that most people might hear on the radio. I agree. We have a very different sort of country scene here in Australia. Ours is sort of, I don't know, I wouldn't call it uh, not serious, but it's not as polished. You know, how big is country in the US? How big is sort of country where you live? Is it the, the main form of music that people around you in your community, you, your friendship group are listening to? I would say so. Yeah, it's, it is, like I said, it's pretty much picked up the gauntlet of guitar playing here in America. If you want to hear some real guitar playing, the closest thing to 70s rock, you got to listen to country. Because they, they're pretty much doing, if you take out the laser singing and the steel guitar, it sounds like 70s rock. Yeah, It just does. Is it a case that as time goes on and people ask you, you know, to record a new song, to put up as a lesson, that you're still finding, you know, radically new things and every few months you go, wow, there's this amazing new artist or an amazing new song? Or is it sort of few and far between now that you're really surprised? Yeah, it's few and far between. Now, what I just had somebody do uh, a request for was there was a duet with Albert King and Stevie Ray Vaughan. I don't really know the time period. It had to be like 80s. But Stevie Ray Vaughan was just kind of coming out. And this was an Albert King's an old blues player. Yeah. But it was basically 21 rounds of the 12-bar progression. And they just took turns playing licks. And it was really interesting because I actually learned a few licks off of Albert King that I um, had never done before. But it was really fun too. A lot of Stevie Ray Vaughan's playing was um, pretty simple compared to some of the things I did by him later. Yeah. So you can tell he was just starting to develop at the time. But Albert King, on the other hand, you know, he'd already been doing this forever. Yeah, that so, would be like already 30 years into his career by then. Oh yeah, easily, right. Yeah. So, so it was, it was, kind of fun doing that i just finished that one up it's, it's three cds long okay has it got a name yet and is it up on the website yet because the idea is from stevie ray vaughan that my daggy hands could maybe get around is very appealing yeah it's called overall junction okay. and it's not on the site yet i gotta probably um, put it up there tonight i'll jump in sort of here because audience you're hearing how excited i am to have something where i might be able to get my hands around some simpler stevie ray vaughan and this is why I got so excited when I found Bill's website. Bill, how did you start down this path of providing, you know, audio lessons, lessons where people only had to listen and, you know, do what you showed them? Well, it started actually mid nineties with my students here in the studio. Cause I always teach people to play by ear okay. because to really understand the instrument, you have to really, get into the verbal side of your brain instead of the audio or not the audio, but the visual. I just realized, okay, I had a guitar teacher that would not write anything down for me. 
He went, now, can you, can you hear this guitar here? Yep. Yes. Okay. For some reason, that's working. Okay. But what he would do is he said, okay, we're going to learn a song that goes like this. I said, well, great. I said, where's your music? He says, no music. It goes like this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so what happened is that you learn to associate the sound you're hearing with what you're playing with your hand. And so whenever I hear like, like a Stevie Ray Vaughan lick, like maybe like a, I almost know exactly where to go, you know, to, to find it. Cause I know what that sound, where that sound is on my guitar. And so by learning by ear, you develop the verbal centers of your brain um, or you're, you're using the verbal centers of your brain instead of the visual centers of your brain. And so you don't really rely so much on, on music and notation. You're relying on, I know where the sound is on the guitar. So a lot of my students, I teach them that way here in the studio, the same way. What I started doing was recording the lessons and I would send them home with a cassette tape. Remember those things? Yeah. And it was basically me playing through a song And then I'll just talk them through it. So first chord, I have my second finger on the sixth string, seventh fret. My third finger is on the fourth string, seventh fret. Just describe it and play it. And what happens is you start associating the sound with where your hand is instead of a dot on the page. Yeah. And so I had probably about five or six of those that I recorded and I would send them home with it. And then I had um, a crazy guy show up pretty much. Was, and he was just, he was a, a rocker from the 70s, and, um, probably early 80s. And he was all excited about it. He said, you need to put these like in a guitar magazine. You know, you'll, you'd sell a bunch of those. And so I put them in Guitar Player. And sure enough, people liked them. And then I had some customers that said, hey, you know, we would um, like you to do this song or do this song. And so I started doing those and I added those to the catalog. And then when the internet started evolving. I put them on the internet, had a little HTML website. People could order it. And um, when I had about 20 or 25, I had a blind student here in the studio and I would send him home with his tape and he got his like, you know, twice as fast as everybody else. Yeah. And of course we know now that when you lose your vision or if you're born with that, what happens is that part of your brain that does visual gets hijacked yeah. by the other parts of your brain. So you get really, really good at listening. You get really, really good at touch. You get really, really good at, because that part of your brain that used to do sight, it got used by those. And so he went like twice as fast as everybody else. And then there was this, you know, kind of a, a moment where it's like, you know, if somebody was blind, that would be the way to learn. Mm -hmm. All they would need though is a beginner course. And so, that's why I made intro to the guitar for the visually impaired. That way anybody anywhere can learn the basics of guitar and then they could take advantage of this library of guitar by ear lessons that was already growing on its own. It's really interesting you describe that because sort of that was my experience in the 1990s when I started playing is that my teacher would do the same thing. He'd make up a tape for me each week. But one of the interesting things I found because I jumped from guitar to violin and with violin you know i had just enough sight at the time just enough to still read sheet music so i was bouncing between the two worlds of mm -hmm. listening with guitar but using close circuit tv and you're basically making notes for violin music look as large as like a baseball on the screen right just so i could see them and it actually slowed me down mm -hmm. 
because oh, instead it of continuing to develop the audio side of my brain only, I was using the visual side on violin because, you know, trying to work out what was going on in a violin sonata, my ears just weren't highly developed enough. And I thought, mm -hmm. well, I can push the pace if I use sheet music, which in hindsight was a massive mistake. I should have slowed down the violin development rate and kept going, no, I'll pick this stuff up. Okay, if I can't play that bit of bark this week because I can't work out what I'm hearing, then don't play that bit of bark this week. And it's really interesting, you know, coming back 20 years later, what I'm finding now where, you know, my sight is gone and it's only by sound. All the old circuits are in there in my brain and they desperately want to come back. And this time they're not kind of being disturbed by being able to quote unquote cheat and look at sheet music. Mm -hmm. So I'm already finding that without having done your ear training course, I'm already starting to just listen to things and go, okay, I know that's major or minor and I'm pretty sure it's that chord. And then starting to do exactly what you were describing, not just pick the guitar up and go, uh, it's somewhere on the fretboard, but get myself within one or two frets of where I finally conclude No, that chords there. Mm -hmm. So it's already starting to work again. But again, the fact that you structure it so well has made such a difference in my ability to you know, put the, I'm used to being an overachiever, <laughs> you know, like I, after, I think it was two and a half years of playing guitar in the early nineties, I auditioned, got into the jazz program at our local conservatory. <laughs> now I didn't take the spot up because at the time I just discovered the violin and was about to go down the, you know, the terrible dark path of thinking that concertos are amazing, which, which is great <laughs> if it doesn't make your wrist hurt. But when it made my wrist hurt, it was kind of all bad. Yeah. <clears throat> So what have you found do sighted students who learn with the method of listening only, do they eventually catch up with the blind people who race ahead or does the gap tend to remain that the blind people streak ahead and kind of stay ahead for an extended period, or it really comes down to individuals and motivation to play guitar. Yeah. I think that last statement probably is, is the best one. It's it, with music. I'd rather have somebody that really loved it and had a low skill level than vice versa. Cause I can take somebody with a passion for it and I can work on the skill part. Yeah. I can get them, you know, up to speed. But if somebody, even with a lot of talent, they're just not really into it. You know, it's, we use an old term, push a rope. That's kind of what it's like. You know, you're pushing a rope. And I had a real funny story about that. I had two brothers that were brought, um, to lessons by their granddad and they went to our church and uh, there were you know young teenage boys like 13 14 15 so um, one of them was doing bass guitar the other was doing piano and the piano um, kid was kind of slow going you know it was like pushing a rope and his brother though got really good on the bass and he got good enough that um, he got to be on the worship team I was the worship leader at the time and I remember the look on the other brother's face when he walked into the sanctuary and he saw his brother up there on the stage with me playing, you know, this modern worship music, which is like seventies rock and roll. And just the look on his face was like, Oh, and he had his lesson next week. And within like two months, he was up on the platform playing this rock and roll Christian stuff, you know? Yeah. So it helped he, change it's you. like, yeah, he, he, he got it. And now he, he, I think he just released his second or third album. And I think he was a worship leader at his church. So Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. And that was sort of my problem in the early 90s is 
you know, I was looking for something a blind person could do and be good at. Cause I really right. didn't know, you know, I'd finished high school, didn't know what I was going to do. Knew I was going to go to uni cause everyone told me oh, I was smart. Had always liked music, but you know, had not had the time while trying to do well at school to do it as well. Started and found it easy and got good real quick, but had exactly that problem. Technically it came easy, but I hadn't really found what I wanted to do with it and what I wanted to say with it. It hadn't become my voice. That's kind of been the strange path. It was the path through podcasting and getting a voice through this medium that guided me back to music. And this time I'm like, right, this time I'll learn other people's songs only so I can work out how to play what I want to play the way I want to play it to express what I'm feeling or thinking at that moment. So it's amazing that it can sometimes take an awful lot of years to work out how to maybe put technical facility if I get it back with that emotional drive to express yourself to the world in a really open way via an instrument. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think it was interesting too, is I showed a lot of talent early on. So I was teaching and playing, but where, where I've really evolved in the last 20 years is I'm really fascinated more by the teaching part than the music part. Like I love the music part. And, um, but I'm really, getting more fascinated with each student that comes in. How do I help this student learn this song instead of, you know, being excited yeah. about the song because, you know, it's, I know the song and play the song, but it's really interesting. All the, the, the different things you can use as a teacher to get that student to play the song. Yeah. And that's I've what had, I'm really enjoying. I've had a similar experience sort of teaching in a university setting that initially it's like, okay, just got to get the information in the kid's head so that they can go out in the world ready to leave uni and do well in whatever profession they're going into. And over time you realize, oh, they only need a bit of the information. What you really need to do is work out how to get through to them and teach them to be lifelong learners, mm -hmm. to love learning and to be able to teach themselves and to be able to work out when they're struggling with something and work out how to get around it or when to ask for help. And that all those things end up being more important you know, than the individual piece of information. And it's a great breakthrough when you realize actually rather than just wanting to make another capable student, it's how do I make this person, you know, feel that they're empowered to do as much as right. they can do. I agree. Like one of the most um, powerful things I learned, it was in a book called um, the power of habit. That's yeah. One that I read, and then another one I've read recently is The Brain That Changes Itself by Doidge. Yeah, they're both great books. And yeah. then before that, there was um, Top Dog. It's an interesting book. Neither one of them are neuroscientists, but they're just really good at um, book writing. It's a, a guy and gal team. But in The um, Power of Habit, uh, they've mentioned something, a phenomenon that I have seen over and over again. It's like if you're working on a lick, and you do it over and over again, there comes a point where it's like you can't do it. Mm. And, I'm, and I'll especially now notice that on like the, um, the banjo because it's real technical with both hands. And I'll sit there and do this phrase over and over again, and it's like suddenly I just can't do it. Mm. Well, in that book, they pointed out that what happens is the more you do something repetitively, your brain moves it from your working memory to your procedural memory. We used to call it muscle memory, engram patterns, and stuff like that. But it moves it. Well, if it's moving it, you can't do it. And so there's just like this stop. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm an idiot. 
But reading that, I realized that if I'll just put the banjo down, the guitar down, whatever, go get a cup of coffee, come back, I can play it. But it's coming from a different place. Yeah. Instead of from my working memory, it's coming from my lower basal ganglia. You know, and, but and I'm actually observing myself playing it. And, and so you can still kind of tweak it. When they're sitting there doing something over and over again, and all of a sudden they can't do it, they feel like, what's wrong with me? It's like, yeah. that's actually a very good sign because <laughs> it's now moving it over to your, your muscle memory or your, in, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it means it's deeply enough in your head now that you need to revisit and tweak it for short yeah. periods. But stop. And again, this is one of the things I've been really careful to try and do coming back to guitar is now if I'm working on a, you know, a few bars of something, you know, a song you're teaching or sitting, starting to listen to songs and try and nut them out on my own a little bit. I do 10 minutes on a few bars and then go away and do something else. Mm-hmm. I found 10 minutes is the perfect amount for me to be engaged, to be actively learning. And then it's like, okay, if I keep doing this, I'm just going to get into that you know, space you're describing where if anything, you're doing repetition and becoming less and less connected to it. Right. And if it's moving in on you, it'll make you frustrated. Yes. Any big suggestions for someone like me coming back to guitar after such a huge gap of you know, potential pitfalls or dangers you've seen through your years of teaching? No, not really. Just, you know, do what you enjoy doing. And like you said, you know, do as much as you can stand and then take a break. Yeah. Um, I have one guy who um, had like a real serious injury. He was run over by a truck and was almost killed. And so he rehabbed at a friend's cabin for like about three or four years um, and just learned to play the guitar. Yeah. And so when he came to me, he was incredible. I mean, all he did was for four years was, you know, learn to play the guitar. And uh, yeah. he, he wanted to get into all the theory and stuff like that. So it was, um, it was a lot of fun, but he could play, you know, and he just would play as much as he wanted to play and yeah. read as much as he wanted to read. I mean, he's just four years of just learning to play the guitar. It was funny when I started in the 1990s, my first lesson, you know, Peter Miller looked at me and said, look, the first hundred hours will be the worst. So get them done <laughs> as fast as you can. For both of us. Yeah, so I did. I did the first hundred hours in two weeks. <laughs> you know, that's, it's the advantage of being kind of a mad 18 year old. Right. It's amazing what you can get your hands and your shoulders to cope with. When someone right. said to you, well, get it out of the way. So you just sit there with a saucer of methylated spirits to stop your fingertips bleeding <laughs> and then go back to play. Yeah. You know, they said that you know, about Stevie Ray Vaughan, one of the, the documentaries, is they would play like 13 hours a day. Yeah, just crazy. And yeah. there's one story that he actually, one of the calluses came off of his fingertip and he just super glued it back on and they went back to work. <laughs> like, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's probably unhealthy. <laughs> so with the wonderful journey you've had of, of teaching people and realizing there's so much joy in the teaching, does this mean every few years you just start on another instrument? Cause you're like, well, if I learned another instrument, then I can play more music and teach more people. Yeah, I actually do do that. So, yeah. so how many I, um, instruments now? What do you got? Well, Tim thought he could see a mandolin in the background when you were teaching. Yeah, I've got mandolin. We got banjo, we got dobro flute, um, I think we did a penny whistle course, ukulele, ukulele's up there. Let's see what else we've got. Um, trumpet, did the trumpet course, a clarinet course. So that probably will be one that I'll need to do because I do have, I have had some requests for that. I think that's the, the bulk of it. Drums, you know, drums, bass, 
banjo, ukulele. Oh, saxophone, right. I did saxophone courses because I played saxophone in high school as well. <laughs> My parents had a music store. Okay. So, uh, they lost some money on me. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> organ. I learned to play organ because cool. Um, I had to, we sold organs at our music store. So someone I had to play, play it well it. enough to, to demo it, right. So I had to learn how to play that. So I think last time I counted, I played about 13 different instruments. So your level of neuroplasticity is still doing very, very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'll, I'll do that on purpose, too, like uh, with the flute. You know, I'll play along with my students. Yeah. And so I'll just, yeah, so here, let's do this song, and they play it, and I'll just play along with them, and, and I'll get proficient enough at it, and I'll make a, a music course for it. Now, for the <laughs> flute course that I made, though, for the visually impaired, though, I did get one of my um, prior piano students in to come do all the recording for me. Because she, um, she was a flute major in college. And so I thought, well, you know, she's a struggling, hungry student. Yeah. And I got a little extra cash here. So I got her to come in and play all of the songs. So on the flute course, she actually plays all of the songs. And um, then I'll go back and teach it with my flute. Because I like to break it down, just yeah. like you know. Yeah. But for the recordings themselves, I got her to come in. Oh, my daughter did the violin course. I was going to say, you hadn't mentioned violin. Because that's been the thing I've been going Hmm, if I'm going to ever go back to violin, I can't, oh no, I don't want to go back to classical and have to rely on braille music. I would want to go back to violin using my ears already having realized in the last three months, it's just a better system and it uses the best bit of my brain that is the most overdeveloped and the most plastic. Uh, and I thought, oh, who, who did the violin? So is that mainly sort of, you know, bluegrass country? What did you end up picking for that mainly? Kind of, kind of pop stuff. Let me pull it up here real quick. I think there might be a couple of classical pieces. Let me get over here real quick. Log. Yeah, I was thinking about learning the violin about the time that she said, I think I want to learn to play the violin. And she was like, you know, 13 or something. I thought all this kid needs is competing with her dad playing the violin, <laughs> the dad who plays everything. And so I said, that would be great. <laughs> I just didn't go near it. And so she made that course for me when she was like 16. And it was really incredible to watch her just nail it. I guess she had heard me do it so many times with the other things. Yeah. So intro to the violin. Let's see what all's on there. So the scale C, G, D, F, yeah. 11 songs with the demo. And back and track. So Edelweiss, Over the Rainbow, Beauty and the Beast. So that's the main yep. main three pop songs that are on there that you learn. And I'm sure there's some other like little smaller type songs, but that's the main ones. I thought I had a little more description on it, I guess. Well, not. she might have to come back and do the advanced one. Yeah. Well, I've had people ask her, and she's like, no, nah, she's got two kids now, so she's she's got her hands full. <laughs> Are you finding over time that you will sort of eventually end up with like a, a community of teachers who all like teaching this way and it will eventually become a website that's not really just you, but starts being, you know, all these people who've realized it's the best way to teach and to get students excited and involved. Right now it's just me. Um, and I think part of it is it's just a really difficult thing to do. Yeah. To it's describe. hard work. Like, it, um, I, I find that, um, there are times of the day when I can do it and times of the days when I cannot do it. Yeah. Because I'm basically sitting there 
describing everything I'm doing while playing. I mean, so you got to pull um, all the different parts of your brain together to describe that. So it's it's pretty. What's the best word? It's a, a real cognitive load. <laughs> yeah, you can hear it sometimes when you're in the midst of describing like a strange chord shape or something. Yeah, you, know, you can hear that you just have to have a tiny little pause to let everything get back on the same page oh, yeah. and be ready for the next second. Time, yeah. How many times have I said third stringer? It's like, no, third finger, third finger, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it'll, it'll get scrambled in there. <laughs> I noticed you've got a section on flamenco guitar. Is that you as well? Or was that, that one is. where someone did come in and help? Okay. That, that, that is me. Now, we did do a Spanish, you know, uh, intro to the guitar for the visually impaired but it's done in spanish right and he i got him to do that i, I paid somebody to do that one so because his he actually spoke spanish and i was contemplating you know seeing how badly i could butcher spanish with the <laughs> georgia accent and found this guy who already played guitar you know he also did some songs that were more you know recognizable to latinos yep. than like you know pop stuffs um, that, that i would have chosen so he he did that and that's a good little course. And it's all, I mean, it's entirely in Spanish. Yeah. Oh, look, it, it, hopefully, again, listeners, if any of you out there love playing your instrument and want to help other people get the joy, have a listen to what Bill's done and how he goes about doing it because it's the most amazing way to get people started quickly on music. I've really been amazed since I picked the guitar back up and, you know, so often I'm sitting on the couch with my AirPods in listening to you with a guitar in my lap. And we'll, someone will call or someone will come and visit and I'll tell them what the, I'm doing. And they're like, oh, that'd be the ultimate way for me to learn to play this or that or the other. I'm like, yes, it would. Don't talk about it. Just do it. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, all, of, all of our stuff is on, we have a, a new site. It's just called musicfortheblind.com. And they'll find all of the courses for the uh, visually impaired on that because music VI is where we started. Yeah. But then I made a, a website just for the, the blind courses and that's the music for the blind.com. The set of songs on both is the same. You can you know get pretty much everything on both sites or it's better to go to one than the other. Well, if you're visually impaired, I would start with the music for the blind.com because it okay. focuses just on the beginner courses. Right. And then it does have links to guitar by ear or piano by ear. Yeah. Yeah. From there. Yeah. Whereas again, I think the search took me straight to your know, music VI and I just got mm. so excited. I stopped looking down the list. <laughs> yeah. You, and you can go there and that's fine. And it should have yeah. a link from there yeah. to just the visually impaired courses. Would you like to sort of, uh, you know, tell our listeners, you know, anything else about your websites, where they can find you, where they can hear you play, how they could get in touch with you if they want you to teach them or stuff like that. Cause again, it's made my life so much fun having a structured way to get back into guitar that the more people I could help to find, you know, your resources, the happier I'll be. Sure. Well, of course there's a music for the blind.com and then our teaching studio here is called Valdosta music. And that's V like in Victoria. A-L-D-O-S-T-A music.com and that's a site for my students um, here but I have some videos on there of lessons that I teach too and I describe everything I'm doing as well so even though it's video it's, um, it's very very descriptive because I keep in mind that I got a lot of people who are visually impaired that are going to come to these videos as well so every video I do is going to be in that format and these videos are also on YouTube 
So you just look up Bill Brown guitar lessons or Valdosta music, um, you know, guitar lessons and piano lessons. And all of my videos are very descriptive. Yeah, which was the wonderful thing when I found your stuff because I'd started sort of just going through YouTube going, well, who's out there? And there's some amazing teachers. And you'd get that constant line at the end of the interesting thing they said, see the tab below. Yeah. I'm like, well, that just discounted that having any useful value. Right. <laughs> so I agree. To, to discover you and go, no, no, you don't need the tab. Learn to listen because if you learn to listen, you'll learn roughly where your hand needs to go. And once you yeah. just get it roughly, you'll get closer every week or so. It gets a little bit easier. It does. And I found that when I'm going to, what was a good example? I think it was a song by Toto that a student wanted to learn. So I pulled up the YouTube video and I caught myself watching him to figure out what he's doing. Yeah. Instead of just closing my eyes and listening and knowing right where to go. You know, it was, it was really, really funny because it was like, where, where is he? Where is he? I know, wait, close your eyes, you moron. You know where it is. And if yeah. I just listened, I could find it right and away. You, you just captured how powerful sight is because it encompasses the whole world so quickly. It's so easy to default to it. It is. And yet, yeah. I actually do better if I just listen because I know where it is. Yeah. Now, Tim, as you know, a guitarist who doesn't get to play much anymore, is this getting you thinking a bit differently about picking a guitar up next time? 100%. My ears were always way better than my hands or my eyes ever were. So, And that's great that you knew that because you know what to go back to. Yeah. Trust well, I haven't, I haven't yeah. played guitar seriously for eight years and it's always felt like it's not been my calling. <laughs> but maybe I'm going about it wrong, you know? So I'm, I'm super excited to to try and give this a go, to be honest. I'm, I'm inspired. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> oh, happy to have helped and I'm happy to have anyone else to play music with. Yeah. <laughs> right. Bill, is there anything else you, know, you would like our listeners to know about you and what you do? Or have we pretty much covered enough to get people started, do you think? I don't think we have. We've... Um... Because again, it will be fun talking to you forever just about guitars and songs, but that's not necessarily <laughs> great podcast material for you know, someone who might get all excited and go look at your website and you know, go have their first go at guitar. Right. Well, what I would like to probably add too is that I offer support you know, for any of the um, courses and lessons. They can email me and I'll get lots of emails. I've got like two or three people that will email me pretty regularly and then we'll, um, you know, um, exchange things back and forth and um, I can send them a recording of something if they don't quite understand it. And so I do try to follow up, you know, with any questions they might have, cause I'm available to do that. Which is brilliant. And now I've realized that people request songs. I just looked at the size of the catalog and went, wow, you've been so busy for so long. I can be entertained with what's here for years, but now at least if I find a song I get really excited about. I can bug you via email and go, could you please consider turning this into a lesson? Yep. You can do that. I have one guy, his name is Bob. He's from um, Kentucky. And we were just discussing that today because I did that Stevie Ray Vaughan yeah. for him. As a matter of fact, he was one that got me into Stevie Ray Vaughan. I kind of missed the mid eighties and the nineties because that's when I started having kids. Yeah. And so I, and I said, who's a Stevie Ray Vaughan? You know, and so I started learning that. I was like, wow, I really like this guy, you know? Yeah. 
And so I've gotten really, really good at Stevie Ray Vaughan. And so he and I were looking over his list because he, he, he would send me a long, long list. And he would do what we call private lessons. Yep. And, and so um, what he would do is he would pay like, they're like 75 now, I think. And I'll create a lesson for him on that song. Yep. And he gets it right away. Yep. And then I'll put it in the catalog and then try to settle it again and make the money up up the road. Because just yep. like this one I just did with the Stevie Ray Vaughan and Albert you know, King, um, boy, you know, that took a long time to do. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you know, when you're trying to work at two different playing styles and they're responding to each other, so it's evolving, you know, as opposed to a song where you would get some consistent components. Are you a Joe Bonamassa fan? Yeah, I do like him. He's a he's fun to watch. He is a showman. I get the impression just listening to him sing that yeah, this guy probably knows how to strut around a stage. He's exciting. Yeah, he really is. And he has his big band with him. Yeah. And and so yeah, he's he's quite a quite a show. Yeah, okay. I really do like I really do like him. In that case I'm gonna re listen to all my Joe Bonamassa and try and work out what the simplest song I like is. Okay. <laughs> Tim, you got any questions you'd like to ask before we wrap up? Um, you've sort of explained how you came to learn music by ear. I, I, I just kind of want to dig a little deeper in, into the, the kind of motivation. Do, do you know people personally who were visually impaired or what, like the, the motivation kind of seems quite, obviously it's what you do for a living, but like it seems, you know, it's quite admirable. Well, it kind of evolved on its own. Mm. Um, you know, like with the, um, when I made that first course, um, intro to the guitar for the visually impaired, we put it in, um, the Matilda magazine, which is a cassette magazine that Matilda Ziegler magazine. So we, we put it in that and got some calls. Actually, we got a letter from County Cork, Ireland, and it was in Braille. And so we had to run down and get some um, of the translate. So yeah, you know, wow. and, and so that was a whole nother story. So we found somebody who read it for us. And so they got their course. We mailed it to them. We probably, probably lost money on it, but it was um, well worth sending it overseas. So somebody could get a course. And then out of the blue, the library of Congress called us and they had just started this program called the national library service, where if you're visually impaired and you want a book on tape, they'll buy it and they'll, they'll send it to you. And they wanted a copy of my course intro to the guitar for the visually impaired. And they said, how much, you know, do they cost? I said, shoot, I'll send it to you. That's cool. You know, to yeah. be in the library. Just to Congress, get it out you know? there so people yeah. can access it. Yeah. So I sent them a copy of it. And then um, about a year later, they said, well, we want to buy 25 more copies. And I said, well, you have to pay for those. And they said, oh, that's fine, you know. So they bought those and then realized that you know, if they're going to be doing this, let me make a piano course. And then, actually, I think it was right after they said, what else do you have for the guitar? And so I got like about 50 or 60 songs. They said, we'll take 10 copies of, of those. It might've been 20 copies. So they bought like 20 copies on cassette of everything I'd done for the guitar. And then the, the, the beginner course. And, they, yeah. and then they just make it available. People just check it out like a book. And then I made the piano course and then some piano songs. And then they, um, they bought those. And they said, what else you got? And so everything I would make, you know, they would buy. And wow. that's kind of how it started growing um, because they started helping to fund it. Which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, little blind dude in Australia can find this amazing repository of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. 
all I've got to say, Bill, is thank you very much for kind of falling into teaching this way and, and you know, making this amazing you know, resource you know, to make someone coming back to guitar feel a bit more confident and very happy sitting on the couch. Well, thank you. And you're so welcome. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe and like our Facebook page. Search for Blind Insights with David Olney. Also, don't forget that we have merchandise. Thank you to the OzCast Network. Peace out. Thank you.